Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Now let's get started with Robert, Qualio founder and CEO, and our show host. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of From Lab to Launch. I think you'll find today's episode really interesting. Our guest is Miao Ludo. He's an emerging technology evangelist and chief scientific officer at Moth Diagnostics, a company formed in response to the COVID pandemic. Miao has a background in solving problems using biotechnology and helped found the biohacker movement in Australia. This culminated in the establishment of BioFoundry. Australia's first open access molecular biology lab with Moth Diagnostics co-founder Adrian Pierce. Miao has also run for federal parliament with the Science Party and Flux Party, advocating for data-driven policy and technological improvements to democracy. He is perhaps most well known for one of the world's first cyborg law cases, fighting for the right to use an implanted travel card in his hand that gained worldwide attention. There are lots of takeaways from today's show, one in particular being about the importance and value of having a global mindset when starting a business. I really hope you enjoy. I really want, I want to ask about you and, and Moth Diagnostics. I mean, ah. yeah, I, I got so many questions. Maybe, maybe if it's just okay to kind of kick off, I mean, tell us what, what brought you to, to, this, to this company. So this is kind of like, a thing that's been kicking around for a long time. So just, just a little bit of backstory. I'm sure we'll go through it more um, throughout, throughout the podcast. Yeah. Um, Moth Diagnostics is a company that formed in response to the, the COVID pandemic. And we, we aim to do like, you know, point of care, low technology diagnostics. All of the, all of the technology is in the wet chemistry that sits inside our test. Um, but it's something that we've been trying to commercialize for about six or seven years. So it started off, its first incarnation was a point of care STI detection test for people who wanted to see their, you know, sexual health status. Mm-hmm. And it was, it commercially just did not make sense. Um, and this was one of the first big projects that came out of my not-for-profit BioFoundry, which was Australia, is Australia's first open access molecular bio lab. So, so we took this to a hackathon and we won all these prizes and then we tried to commercialize it mm-hmm. and we just got told by everyone like, there's not enough money in sexual health diagnostics to make it work. And there was also some legislative problems that you can't actually disclose people's status for certain conditions. So there's, there's things like HIV or mm-hmm. COVID or um, chlamydia that are traceable conditions and a pathologist yeah. has to give them the results. So they're like, point of care is not going to work. So they're like, okay, fuck it. We're not going to do that. When COVID came out though, yeah. the commercial, I make sense. So we pulled it off the shelf and then um, that was in February on Valentine's day. And it's now like towards the end of the year and we're still going. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks we've had is actually how do we build a quality management system really quickly? So this entire thing, just, just to reframe and, and reset, this was biofoundry and this is one of the ideas just to, you were incubating, right? And COVID happened and that was the opportunity to, that was the use case you needed, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So I, yeah. I was, um, last year in 2019, I was working on a, a project. So I've basically always got, you know, a startup going. I was mm-hmm. working on a startup that was a way to, to solve global warming. It was the only proven way to solve global warming. 
and basically that that made no money and i was kind of like you know wondering after a year of investing in that i got like five thousand dollars um capital and it was going nowhere because there's no money for climate change i was like what am i gonna do and then all of a sudden pandemic you know, used biofoundry to do a proof of concept yeah and then we, we used that to raise um raise a little bit of capital we tried to bootstrap it some ex- exemptions which was kind of hilarious to think you could like bootstrap a medical diagnostics company because of exemptions we nearly did it and then we ended up um we decided to raise seed round kind of money and we just raised the second safe um to get us through our um tga application which is like equivalent to fda that's that that's impressive just to maybe for people listening, safe or a simple agreement for future equity is a really simple agreement that takes the place of more expensive, cumbersome investment documentation, which with speed is of the essence, right? Everything you can do to streamline that, that is important. Uh, you spoke about spinning up the QMS really quickly, and I, I want to get back to in a moment some of that that acceleration you had to go through right almost instantaneously from okay this proof of concept to now we're, we're a company before that though i mean you just spoke about you were looking at little, like big problems to solve how, how did you get into just this biospace like what's the narrative what's the yeah, so story i actually I, I often get paid to speak at universities about alternate pathways yeah um, so i had a really long undergraduate degree. I took lots of time off and went and worked commercially, did independent research. And um, basically I, w- I was like, I was working in IT. I, I wasn't really enjoying myself. I was doing like help desking, app support, this type of stuff. And my, my whole family are, are programmers. My, you know, my dad started programming on fucking punch cards. So, so I was like in my blood. Um, and I just, it was very unfulfilling for me. Um, it's like I like to do as a hobby, but not as a main yeah. thing. So I like, um, I was partying a lot and I had like, I guess in, in the West coast of America, you'd call it maybe a burning man experience. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was uh, halfway through this experience and I just like had this awakening and I'm like, fuck, I want to be a scientist. I don't want to work in IT. So I, I, I finished off my weekend and I enrolled in a mature age entry university the next day. And it's funny because my first ever job I wanted was just after watching Jurassic Park. I'm like, dad, how do I, how do I go and make dinosaurs? And he's like, you have to become a genetic engineer. So I I went back to my roots and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to become a genetic engineer. Uh So I went back to university, um, enrolled in genetics. And then throughout that time, I realized that research wasn't really for me because of the, the way that universities are structured and then realized that it was very difficult to get a job commercially because in Australia, biotech and genetics aren't industries that have lots of money. So I, I looked around at what other people were doing and I, you know, I was participating in hackathons and came from a strong background of hacking in, um, in IT. So I went, Oh, fuck it. I'm going to do what these few other people around the world are doing and set up a biohack space. And then I guess that's like kind of takes me through to where I am now. You made it sound very much like that montage of didn't have a plan decided on a path and it just, it just happened, but maybe, maybe walk through what were some of the block, what were some of the obstacles? Like, cause that's, there's a lot of, it's a lot of behind the scenes I would imagine in what you said, but just, just tons of respect for getting going. I mean, what were some of the big blockers or challenges you had to get through? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, I think like, like one of the things, like I really like to be first. So mm-hmm. often when I see things that people haven't done before, I rise to the challenge. There was in the very beginning, the, the, there wasn't 
really that many people around the world to speak to. So there's this kind of broad idea. We take, you know, uh, a maker space and we make mm -hmm. it biotech. But no one really had a guide. There wasn't many people to speak to. It was something you had to kind of imagine on your own. So, so I got in contact with the people who had done it around the world and asked them for some advice. One of the things that's different about a biohack space than a normal hack space is that it's hyper-localized with respect to regulation. And, and that, that's the biggest blocker. So we, mm. I, decided, I decided, hey, fuck, let's have a meeting with some people that are interested. Um, you know, Facebook hadn't been around for a crazy amount of time. I, I put, I put um, a, an event up and said, you know, let's get together with all the people who are interested. So we formed a very, very um, early community. And we got like, we got like 50 people turn up, which was awesome. And then the second meeting we had like 10 because a lot of people, it wasn't for them. Yeah. After we had that second meeting, we got a letter from the government saying, we're watching you. Interesting. Yeah, so very early on, yeah. we realized that this was going to be like, we couldn't kind of just fly by the seat of our pants. We needed to be mm. on board with government. Very different to America. You know, you have a country founded on like um, libertarian values. In Australia, it's quite authoritarian. So we have some of the strictest biotech laws in the world. So we said, fuck it, let's sit down for a coffee. And we invited them to Sydney. And I went and had a coffee with them. And now I've got them on like speed dial. And we've worked with them to make sure that um, the, the, the legal and regulatory side of what we were doing was at the heart of, mm -hmm. um, of our company. How did those lessons learned apply to math diagnostics? Because you said it was Valentine's Day, so February 14th. 2020 things were i guess there were, there were signs right and how did you take that and and spin up the company I'm, and i'm assuming here you might correct me that you know moth diagnostics itself wasn't really a company yet it was more a proof of concept yeah so we, we were incorporated about five or six months ago yeah um and it was a non-incorporated something you know an, an idea or a proof of concept for you know four or five months before that um the thing is that the gene control laws in australia are actually built on ISO 17025, oh. uh, I think it is, which is the uh, micro, microbiological lab standard. Mm -hmm. so, so to even get our space certified to meet the basic levels of you know, biosafety, mm -hmm. we had to get everyone in Australia who was a hacker who was interested in creating these spaces to go through those, um, th those standard documents together and make sure that we either met approached or had a good a really good fucking reason for not uh -huh. meeting every single item in the standard so that was a collaborative effort amongst hackers um we still have that document that we refer to which is a custom standard and our dream as hackers in australia is to make the regs easier to follow mm -hmm. so in, in different parts of the world when i talk, when i talked before about hyper localization um mm -hmm. you know in, in countries like uh, indonesia yeah their main focus is making sure that um, their community is safe when it comes to things like drinking water. When mm -hmm. we speak to um, hackers in Nepal, it's a combination of like making sure they have access to medications, but also enabling commercialization of good ideas. In Australia, mm -hmm. it's about being able to do community science and commercialize ideas through not going to jail for breaking the ranks. Interesting slant. Yeah, our goal in Australia is basically um, to write our own biohacker standard that could be used around the world. And maybe I, I, I'll try not to go down that, that rabbit hole because I think we could spend hours kind of digging into some of that. I, th I think it's a fasc fascinating space. Just to, just to pull back a bit and, and let's look at the last, you know, eight months, right? Since you started really working on, on, on moth diagnostics and moving forward with it. 
Yeah. You sound like somebody who just gets going, right? Just gets going and tries to figure it out as you go and bring in people. And I think that's a good lesson learned for people about, you know, there, people always wait for the right time, but sometimes you just, mm -hmm. just got to get going and see how it goes, right? What were some of the lessons Definitely. learned in the past eight months? Because that sounds like the first time you really started to look at what commercial operation and maybe some of the complexities, some of the, the detail around the regulatory challenges. I'm curious what you learned so far this year. Yeah, so I, I, I think my, um, I'd always been interested in the medical diagnostic space, but I, I hadn't um, ever had a startup which, which went as quick and, and became, had so much interest as this one. Mm. Um, previously in biotech, I'd been doing things like food and animal, uh, animal stuff. We'll just say broadly a whole bunch of agricultural things, but none of them have the same regulation as a medical yeah. device. And in fact, the thing that I learned was this was something I kind of put off and I wish I hadn't. Um, I learned that there's not a whole heap of innovation going on in this space. Mm -hmm. You know, like our only competitor to, your, to, to, the, to this service was something that had been around for like you know, 30, 40 years and was substandard. Still the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it had like come a long way, but you know, it was like, it was kind of like using Google Wave or something like that, you know? And all, every time I was using Can it, I'm just like- you remember what that is? I love Google Wave, but no one uses it. <laughs> and it's just, it's, people still maintain it, which is crazy. And it came, and it like, I know, did not it know came, that. Came out of Sydney Google office. So I've got this like, you know, kind of patriotic allegiance to it. Now, um, oh, by the way, I don't know what, it, what temperature is over there. It's like, it is like 35 degrees in my car at the moment, which is like, you know, uh, 105, 110 degrees, something like that. Yeah. It, it's absolutely absolutely fine here. I, I guess just I think uh, in the Bay Area right now, looking out the window, it's probably in Celsius. I would imagine thirteen to fifteen degrees. Plus Once my main competitor, the um, yeah. the vaccine comes, I'll have yeah. to uh, fly over and come and uh, see, see the office. Hey, you're welcome over here and anytime. I'll give give you a tour around the city. I would love that. But I think to anchor you said something about that's important that the competitor was 30, 40 years old. And we come across this all the time. And the way we talk about this, I'm curious to get your thoughts, is some of the fundamental problems we have in healthcare. And if we, if we accept the assumption that there's a wave happening right now where yeah. you got to democratize the access to creating like, like healthcare products, right? And I think it's, yeah. you said, do it without finance. I think we're going to be at the point where people are going through hacker spaces and almost getting to commercialization. That's really exciting. But there's, there's a question here, which I always ask and I struggle with, which is why can't medical products move with the same velocity yeah. as a consumer product? Because oftentimes the consumer product doesn't really matter to the world. You know, and it's just a, it's a thing for a want. It's not often for a, a core need, but the medical products actually make a positive dent on the universe, right? If you're successful, yet we have this molasses that just holds them back. And if you, if you look at quality and just like, that's, that's if we can make a difference. I'm curious how you look at that so I'm, question. I'm wading through them. I'm wading through the molasses right now. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, yeah. and I'm sure like it's, we, we had, a working product months ago but quality like legislatively quality has to be at the core of your medical diagnostics company if you are even thinking about starting a medical diagnostics company and you're listening to this podcast like you should start with quality 
and it's it's such a difficult thing but like your you may not know this like your r&d has to be has to be in your quality management system so that means that if you go and do all this like hacking and do all this like um you know all basically use a hacking process to get a product you are going to double your workload you have to go back through and then rewrite all your r&d rewrite all, all your results um you know work out ways to show that your hacking or even like, you know, um, lean processes are actually quality processes because lean processes are quality. But unless you have documented this, it is going to be a massive pain in the ass. And we're going through that right now and we're paying a fortune for it. You know, we're paying quality consultants and all these problems can be solved with money. But if you think about quality while you're doing your hacking and you think about quality, um, as a response to as, as a process to solve your problem you can make your life so much easier and the thing is medical devices aren't standardized around the world we've got like um the the medical device single authority um tick off which is fucking cool right but the thing is if you have quality at the heart of your company your medical device mm -hmm. company you don't need to worry about shit every every country their medical device uh authorization program fda section 80 whichever it is you know tga in australia all of these are based around the same standards. So by having them at the heart of your company, you don't have to worry about getting the EU tick. If it passes in one country, it should pass in another country. The thing is that that doesn't lend itself well to a hacking mentality or a lean startup kind of mentality of like, okay, how do you get an MVP without getting the quality stuff done? And the, the, the way you do it is you do it during a fucking pandemic when there's exemptions everywhere and they just care that it works. And that's why our company formed and why we've been able to get traction. I wish that was a lesson that was more reputable across <laughs> <laughs> across time scales and companies. But I'm just going to anchor kind of what you what you said is that this is really difficult, and there's an obvious intended side effect, which is there are things which don't exist in the world right now that could exist that would make positive impact, right? And 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 how we solve that. So uh, I think that's. It's useful to hear from your eyes as somebody who's inside the tornado right now trying, trying to make this happen and work. Yeah. Just one, just one thing though, going yeah. back, you said, you said, you know, you wish it was more repeatable. The pandemic, you know, is increasing. The pandemics are increasing in frequency. This isn't the last pandemic yeah. we'll see in our lifetime, but there are elements that are repeatable that people listening should really have a think about, which is how do you exploit the things that mm -hmm. the, the pandemic highlighted to accelerate your business? So, you know, we are looking at one of our target markets to commercialize in is India. And mm -hmm. this is because India has a more relaxed regulatory framework. So if it wasn't for the pandemic, I might not have looked at commercializing in India, but there are lessons to be learned that we, we, can, we can look around and say, okay, well, that was really cool. So where does just that? And can we do that there? So is there a country that's easier um, to get things manufactured? Is there a, a country that's easier to do clinical trials in? And, and these are things that if I go into another startup in medical devices, I'll definitely take advantage of those even without the pandemic. So mm -hmm. like you can hack your way to the same benefits the pandemic gave you by yeah. being globally minded. Just kind of applying a hacking mentality, right, to this as well. So for, just yeah. to repeat some of the, the lessons here I think are important. The, the quality has to be at the center of what you do or else it creates a ton of pain later. Try and get it right if you can at the beginning. Number two, in no matter what's going on in the world, you're seeing that there's always going to be stuff going on, good or bad, and that always means there are opportunities that get created, right? If, if you're creative, if your eyes are open to them. Is that a fair summary? 
And the thing is, the quality quality doesn't change anywhere in the world. And after running a startup in, I run a startup in San Francisco once upon a time um, in food, food biotech space. And a lot of the investors and the people I was surrounded by were very, you know, um, American centric. And and Mm -hmm. like, I can see why that is. But also at the same time, there are huge opportunities available around the world that if you take the time to go and speak to some people outside the country, speak to some investors outside the country, Mm -hmm. find mentors that can broaden your horizon, you are going to be able to take advantage of things that will give you an edge over other startups. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this, this, this chat today. I've, I've learned a ton. It's a super interesting story. Uh, I'm really excited that we were able to support you with Qualio. And I will be reaching out separately just to get some time to, you know, to, to dig in there a bit more detail. Thank you very much. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, thank you for, for sharing some of your journey today. Thank you very much for your time. And um, please yeah, follow along with us and our journey. And uh, looking forward to working more with Qualio going forward. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.